podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show College Days. Nat Coombs, Ben Isaacs, and yes, folks, still no jingle. Still no TikTok, Ben Isaacs. I mean, I'm starting <laughs> to doubt whether Ollie, the producer, is taking this particular production within our within our franchise, within our stable, that seriously. It's it's a worry. I mean, if this was a college team, mm. he might have his scholarship revoked. <laughs> wow. He's certainly on probation. It, notice is being served, Propo. Stop concentrating on the stats and graphs and sheets that you do on Edge Rush and spend a bit more bit more time and love on, on college days. It is good to see you, my friend. Good to have you back on the show. Fresh, of course, from back-to-back weeks uh, in London at NFL London. Uh, in London, like it's the only time you're ever in London. Uh, what do you make of, uh, wow, quite a frisky atmosphere at Spurs on Sunday? Yeah, it, re- it really was. I, um, I, I wasn't quite uh, pelted with um with beer cups but they were flying flying around us in our section mm. um just past the press box where somebody was trying to build a massive tower of beer cups so people started generally trying to help him by throwing more and more and more but they were going everywhere and they were kind of hitting people on the back of the head mm. um but the I, I thought the game was a lot of fun it was great to finally see trevor lawrence in the flesh yeah what um, do you think I, I liked what I saw. I mean, I thought it was his best game of the season, actually, not just because they won, but I think he made some really nice decisions. Mm. He showed a lot of confidence and maturity. He just seemed to, when the when the pressure was around him, he seemed to see it half a second before anybody else and able to right. step out of it. Um, and, you know, I, I still see Tour as kind of like half a rookie um, because of the way that last season, last season went. So seeing him and Trevor Lawrence, two of the kind of most, high-profile young quarterbacks to enter the league in the last two drafts was was great and Tua really had his moments as well he did I was I like what I saw with Tua and we mustn't forget how banged up he was right this is not to be overlooked rib injury as you have documented many times on this show (laughs) not much fun and that was clearly holding back at times Uh, no Devontae Parker no Preston Williams Tua's going to be fine Tua as long as he can stay fit hot take is going to be fine i have no well uh, retract that i have far more confidence in him turning out to be the quarterback that we need do you think the dolphins are going to give him that time i i i think so yeah i think i mean it's not like there's going to be a good a, a, hmm. i'm going to retract a statement i don't think there's going to be a game-changing quarterback in the right in the next draft that the dolphins would think oh He's our guy. Tour yeah. is Tour is a better prospect than anybody coming up in this draft. So unless they unless they think there's some fantastic trade going on, mm. uh, or maybe all of Deshaun Watson's problems suddenly disappear overnight, mm. which is very unlikely, Tour is the best option they have. And he was making a lot of good decisions. He was finding open wide receivers. I, I was I was saying to people kind of next to me in the press box at certain points, the the Trevor Lawrence and Tour they would drop back and I would be able to point out this is a completion because mm. you could see where people were getting open and that they were seeing them at just the right time. They were reading right. the defenses really well and Tua right. reads the defense really well. Uh, at, in, out of interest, at any point during the game in the press box, maybe when he'd had one or two fizzy pops, as Ben Lyons occasionally <laughs> does, did you did you turn around and say, these are the two greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen? <laughs> uh, it was, no, but it was difficult for me to say anything because I was eating a lot of biscuits when i realized that there were um biscuits in the press box that Whoa. i could just take biscuits to my desk wow. yeah they had got, a nice selection actually i Pretty didn't good. see those the first week when we were doing talk sport and, and we get brought nice they always bring us some nice uh pa- usually a pack of uh quality street or you know similar little huh. mini munchies which i can i just release a bit of inside intel when it is those you know the boxes of the mini mini milky ways mini twixes uh i'm in put in charge of them because wow. the crew don't trust Ocean J Bell uh, with them, so I I am in charge of them like a like a sweet monitor that has to hand, <laughs> hand them out, ration them out. Uh, that's a bit of that's just pulling behind the curtain a little bit into what, what goes on in the booth. Well, I, I did have a point before the game where I was sat eating um, a sort of jam sponge. It was a kind of school dinner style jam sponge that they nice. were putting on at the stadium as pudding, and there was there was a a wall size TV where. Um, 
your face was on the TV oh, and your voice was echoing through the press box, but there was like a, a 30 second delay. <laughs> so we'd see your mouth moving, but we'd get like OC's voice and then it would be, you'd see <laughs> J-Bell and it's your voice. Amazing. And it was very disconcerting. Yeah, on so many levels, I'd imagine mm-hmm. it would be. All right, then let's get down to business. So we kind of already done a little bit of Rookie Watch with uh, with uh, Trev and and I'm guessing, we, as you say, we're kind of giving two or maybe a one foot in, one foot out of the Rookie Watch. Rookie Watch, a new part of the show, newish part of the show, I should say, where we're going to pick two or three rookies and give them a great card, give them a, see how they're getting on so far in their in their debut season. Looking at receivers today, so looking forward to getting in into that. Some games this weekend to look out for as well over on ESPN, BT Sport, ESPN or ESPN Player. We've got a new uh, new segment I'm very excited about because Ben, you and I were talking, right? We're thinking, well, how are we going to, how are we going to build out? Because we've got a vision. We've got a five-year plan for College Day, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? We've got a, uh, we've got a vision for it. And we're thinking, well, how can we build it out? How can we add to it? We've had some really good feedback as well on social. Glad to see so many of you enjoying the show at the NC show. So incidentally, if you have any uh, things you'd like us to get into on the show that kind of fit broadly into, into the College Day theme, then, then fire away at the NC show. So we're going to add different things. So we're talking about the experience of going to college games and how, funnily enough, I was talking about that very thing with OC and Jabel on the broadcast, right? What it was like playing in college versus playing in the pros and atmospherically, how is it different? And we thought, God, there's so much color uh, and so much finesse and range in the college football world. We'd like to get into that a bit more. So we'll talk about favorite places to watch stadiums all of that color get into get into some of the background i guess and help paint that intel for you and alongside that we're going to do and we're going to start this week a, a legends section right? a section of the show where unsurprisingly given the title <laughs> we're going to look at <laughs> individuals that have made a difference over the years in the college game the very best of the best so uh, we've got a good legend and uh, a very appropriate one to lead off with in just a bit but let's kick things off by fusing a couple of typical things, we look at prospects on the show. That's kind of how we started, where we first had this idea, Ben and I. Well, let's look at the NFL-ready talent that's going to be in the leagues next year and help you guys as primarily NFL fans understand about that and then maybe get into the college game that way a little bit more. So we've got four of those. This time around, though, we're going to blend that with the, the college seedings, the top four teams as far as the college seedings are concerned right now. Ben's going to break down what's been going on and if there are any changes and how that's all shaping out. And alongside that, give us a prospect from each of those colleges that he thinks we should be keeping an eye on coming into next year's draft so let's get straight into it what do we do from four to one i like the okay. order style so who's number four seed right now well, number four is alabama which is an unusual position for them right. usually they are permanently in the top two with their feet up just beating everybody but of course they lost a couple of weeks back to texas a&m which was a big big surprise mm. um but Alabama, as the as the pollsters are showing at number four, are not out of this. And they could easily win the rest of their SEC games and face probably Georgia in the SEC title game. And if they if Alabama win all their games from here on out, they are a lock to be in the playoff despite right. that, despite that defeat. And they should, right? They should run the table. Uh, well, the that it's that it's that SEC championship game that's going to be tricky. Up until that point, I think they can cruise. It's mm. always tough against Auburn. That's their big in-state rival, and crazy things happen in that game. It's not always the best team during the season who wins. It's whoever manages to pull off the craziest plays. But this is this is not last year's Alabama. Last mm. year's Alabama was one of the greatest teams of all time. It was absolutely outstanding. This one isn't as good. Is it good enough to win a national championship? Very possibly. But it is really only the fourth best team in the nation right now. And I wanted to talk about Evan Neal because Evan Neal is perhaps the, I think if you were going to pick a player right now in the draft who was going to be a very, very safe choice, I would say it's Evan Neal, who's an offensive tackle. He's played, he's played at left. He's played at right. He's played He's played, he's played at guard. He can do it all. Now, I'm not saying the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have the first overall pick, but if they do, he's the sort of guy who you could, you could draft and say, right, you're going to protect Trevor Lawrence for the next 10 or 15 years, please, mm. because that's, that's what you want. He's, he is absolutely huge. Um, he's, I want to say he's 6'6 or 6'7, 
I think it's probably close to six seven. He's about three hundred and sixty pounds, and he moves far quicker than someone of that size should move. It's he. What's I his, mean, what's his forty time? Oh, I, do you know? I don't know what his forty <laughs> time, but I tell you what: when when he does run in Indianapolis, people are going to be surprised at how fast he moves. That, that's the crazy thing when you watch. I mean, we've seen this obviously latterly, particularly with D linemen, uh, you know, backers. <sighs> uh, when, but now we're starting to see it on the O line as well that they can run the forty faster than I can. And that's yeah, the, that's the one thing I would hang on to uh, desperately. <laughs> well, I was always quite fast, and then I'm watching guys who yeah. are three hundred and seventy pounds running the forty faster than yeah. I can. Yeah, he's he is quick. He is explosive. He is powerful. He is reliable, and he is currently the best player on that Alabama team. Ooh, okay, high praise indeed. That from Ben, safe bet, sure thing by the sound of it. All right, so watch that space. Uh, number three in the rankings. Now, number three is Oklahoma, and at the start of the season, I said I, I think I gave my prediction for the top four, and I said the one I feel most confident about is Oklahoma. Right. For one for one particular reason, out of because there's been so much flux at the quarterback position with the top programs, they had Spencer Rattler. Now then, Spencer Rattler's season has been not great to the mm. point where he's now lost that starting position. And he was considered to be the Heisman front runner, the presumptive number one overall pick. We'd seen him last season and he looked good and he was ready to take that next step. He hasn't taken that next step. Mm. He's lost his place and he is no longer the starting quarterback. God, what's going to happen to him then? I mean, well, I would say, cause he's not, it's not that he's not draftable right now, but there's no way he's going in the first round wow. as it stands. Well, that's a big, so you could, so a team could get real value on a player like this, but I, I don't think he's going to enter the draft. Mm. I think he's going to transfer the, the, the new rules about transferring, make it so much easier. I think he's going to transfer and try to have a, a kind of a second act Ah, and, okay. and improve his draft stock. He's Jalen Hurts style is what you Yeah, exactly. He's got, he's got the potential to go somewhere and still be a star. He has not made it work this season. Mm. He doesn't look right. Not like in an injury, but he's just not making the decisions that he should be making. And he doesn't actually seem a good fit for this Oklahoma offense. And this Oklahoma offense, do you have these quarterbacks just come in? You know, we, Baker Mayfield was a, was a transfer. Jalen Hurts was a transfer. They came in and were able to be stars. Kyler Murray was kind of Oklahoma all the way. And Kyler Murray is really kind of the prototype of those Oklahoma quarterbacks. So we'll, we'll get back to Spencer Rattler, I'm sure, in another week. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a lot of speculation. But right now, I want to talk about um, Perrion Winfrey. And he's a defensive lineman. He came through, um, I'm sure lots of people will have watched the likes of Last Chance U. He came through one of those community colleges um, because he wasn't academically eligible coming out of high school. Um, So he went to Iowa Western Community College and Oklahoma happily picked him up. He was quite raw at the time, but very aggressive. He just destroys the pocket. Fantastic pass rusher. Very reliable run defender. He's been absolutely brilliant this season and he's just getting better. The Oklahoma defense has been the strong point of that team. And that, that is unusual. This is a team that we just, we expect them to concede a lot of points and score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. It's the defense has been keeping them in games while uh, Spencer Rattler has struggled to move the offense and Perry on Winfrey has been the guy there. I think he's one of the best defensive players in this draft. And I think because the team is now improving, I think his draft stock is going to go even higher. All right. Our top two in second spot is Cincinnati. Now, anyone who's been watching college football a lot over the last couple of years, won't be too surprised to see Cincinnati here because they have been building towards this. But if you're a very casual fan of college football, you might be thinking, what? Who? Because the Cincinnati Bearcats are not one of college football's elite programs. They're not an Ohio State. They're not a USC. They are just Cincinnati. Now, since the playoffs started in 2014, no team from outside the so-called Power Five conferences has ever made it into the playoffs. Cincinnati, if they can hold their position in the top four, would be the first. Incidentally, they are joining a Power Five conference. They are going to join the Big 12 
in a year to be determined. It hasn't quite been worked out <laughs> when they start. Uh, that's the joy of college football. Next Teams year, leaving. probably, if they, win the, if they win the championship this year, well, be, how quickly can you start? Well, it, what, what it depends on is when Oklahoma and Texas leave the Big 12, mm. and that is still being negotiated. So other teams can't join till they leave. I, I mean, this is part of the joy. Can you imagine, imagine the, the uh, Green Bay Packers deciding they're leaving the NFC North and uh, we're going somewhere else. It's, and, it's and, and Because it takes a while to sort out, they play in a division on their own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it is going to be very it's going to be very strange when the date is set that Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big Twelve and they're still playing in the Big Twelve because those teams, everyone else in the Big Twelve hates Oklahoma and Texas because they're the big boys. How and how much they hate them when they're leaving is going to go through the roof. The animosity and bitterness will be just absolutely crazy because them leaving costs all the other Big Twelve teams millions of dollars mm-hmm. so back to cincinnati though because they have been phenomenal their big victory this season is they beat notre dame 24 13 on the road a real signature win they have just done everything they need to do they are unbeaten and they should stay unbeaten i think they will make the top four I, there could be a crazy defeat along the way but they are so much better than everyone else they're playing their star player is desmond ritter who is their quarterback. Now, he's not a first-round guy for me right now. Maybe that's going to change over the course of the season. He shows flashes. like His, his, his deep throws are better than his intermediate throws. He's got a great arm. He's accurate when he goes deep, but there's a lot of inconsistency in the shorts and immediate um, and, the, and the intermediate passes, which he's really got to work on. He's not running as much this season. He did more of it last year. He is a threat with his legs. He is, at the moment, I would say, a very, very good college quarterback who's still yet to show that he's got all the tools that he could be a starter in the NFL. At this point, if he was a starter in the NFL, I wouldn't be surprised. If he was an absolute bust who just was like a bad backup, I also wouldn't be surprised. Uh, My favorite kind of player, boom or bust. There is just... He's got a pretty high ceiling. He's got a pretty low floor as well. It's going to be interesting to see him for the rest of this season because if he plays in a playoff, he's going to be playing against defenses, the likes of which he, is, he hasn't seen. And he'll be able to show us a lot. And maybe he can work his way up those draft boards and be a first-round pick because it is not, it's not a good year for quarterbacks, right. like I've said. Right. So someone might reach. Like that. Okay. At Georgia, number one in the country right now. What a team they are oh. proving to be. So yeah, I guess you've got an embarrassment of riches in terms of players you could pick out here. Who have you gone for? I've gone, I've gone for Jordan Davis, but it's just, there are so many, there are so many guys that, that can be, and it would have to be someone from the defense. Their defense is absolutely ridiculous. I was saying last week how their first team defense has allowed one touchdown all season. They managed to allow allow a touchdown this week and i think they were pretty embarrassed jordan jordan davis just controls that line of scrimmage um he will generally take up two or three offensive linemen there are plays where there are three people keeping him away so if you look at his stat sheets it's not that impressive you have to actually watch him and realize what he's doing that makes it so much easier for everybody else right now they, they have been so dominant in their game. So a few weeks ago, they beat Vanderbilt 62 nothing, And Vanderbilt are not a good team, but they are an SEC team. They're not absolute bums. You know, if you're playing a team in your conference and you win 62 nothing, that is ridiculous. They, they were finding that so easy that basically he only played nine snaps because they were 21 nothing up within five minutes. And it was, right, you should take the rest of the game off. So a lot of these Georgia defensive players, their stats aren't that great. And you have to judge them on what you see in the right. first few drives. Because after that, they are just rested and they keep bring- They've got so much depth. They're in the ice bath. Like, or do they have a, yeah. a Jacksonville-style swimming oh. pool in the stands? Well, do you know what? If anyone would, I'd feel like it would work for Georgia because Georgia versus Florida, the annual game there. Now, technically, you're not allowed to call it this anymore because it's considered to be a bit irresponsible. But it was always known as the world's biggest outdoor cocktail party. <laughs> and they've tr- the, the colleges have tried to get away from that because they think it might encourage alcohol consumption, which no. students never actually take part in. 
No, absolutely. Right, you kind of... should be concentrating on the studies. <laughs> I mean, they're lucky to have a few hours to go and watch a game, to be honest. Oh, exactly, exactly. And, you know, if if it's George, you may as well only watch the first 20 minutes anyway. So, you know, <laughs> then you can get right. back to your studies. Right. But I could just imagine that at that world's, world's biggest outdoor cocktail party, just a massive hot tub, but instead just full of ice. Nice. And the Georgia players just chilling in there as they just relax during another the game's routine going on. I victory. Love, I love it. Uh, all right, brilliant. So those are our, well, four extra prospects to, to look at as we're building to the, the Ben Isaacs collection. And we've got a, a fairly clear idea of what is going on at the top of the pile in the college game right now. Georgia seemed very much the team to beat. Uh, let's move on to Rookie Watch next. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to look at rookies in the NFL. We're going to concentrate on receivers. Uh, there are three names I threw at you, Ben, I think, mm. that I wanted to get into. Starting with... The guy's fast becoming my one of my favorite players in the NFL, let alone my favorite rookie, Jamar Chase. And I was writing about the Bengals today. Uh, plug alert. I've written a piece, my piece for Scorker this week, Scorker column, is my AFC power rankings. I'm going to do NFC next week. I did my AFC 1 to 16 this week. Hot take. The Dolphins aren't in the top 10. Maybe <laughs> that. Uh, I think my number, I think my order might su- surprise and maybe wind up a few people, but, but I didn't do it for that effect. Anyway. I mentioned it because the Bengals in the mix, they are in the mix. We've got to take them seriously. And I was thinking about who the Bengals remind me of, how do I describe them? And they remind me of that band that is just breaking through, like a breakthrough first album that is getting loads of traction. And they're still, because the gigs were booked before the album broke, they're playing these quite small raucous mm. venues and they've just got this wild energy and it's, Oh, I, I saw the Bengals when they were playing <laughs> 250 rooms, right. And before they become stadium megastars, there's just this freewheeling run and gun spirit about them that I love. Yeah. I, I the, this version of the Cincinnati Bengals is close to being, I think everyone's second favorite team. They are so watchable. And so much of that comes down to Jamar Chase and his his connection with Joe Burrow. Right. Of course, they played together at LSU. The offense they played in LSU the uh, year before last was the greatest offense in college football history. It was one of the most dominant dominant seasons ever. And Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase was a connection that just happened on a ridiculously regular basis. And linking them up together right now almost seems unfair. But I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that they should draft him, mm. not because there was anything wrong with him, but I felt they needed offensive line help. And that was where they should be looking. And I felt Penny Sewell was the guy. And I could see why they wanted Jamar Chase. But I thought if Burrow can't actually get off his butt to actually make the passes because he's getting knocked down all the time, then what's the right, point? What's the point? Sure. But Joe Burrow has been able to get those passes off. And my word, Jamar Chase just seems to catch almost everything it's kind of like randy moss-esque at times the way that he stretches the field the dimension that it gives the Bengals, that big play threat Mm. is fantastic he looks like he has played in the nfl for for years Mm -hmm. and i mean do you want me to give a grade i want a a grade or a score out of 10 i'm giving giving him a grade i'm giving him an a jamar chase you are the man an a plus I don't. Star. Oh, you mm, not yet. Come on, not yet. Come on, you. Not yet. He's 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 close. He's close. He's been absolutely fantastic. He's the best offensive rookie um, so far, and I I enjoy watching him every week. It feels like almost every play that he makes can be a highlight. So mm. I love the guy. Okay, so very good start for Jamar Chase. Two other receivers that we want to get in the mix in terms of this week's rookie watch. Where do you want to go next? I definitely want to talk about chase. I think I wanted to talk about, yeah. Okay. Can I, can I, can I roll one in? Then you can roll one in. So I'm going to go a Kadarius Tony because uh, mainly because I drafted Kadarius Tony in (laughs) one of my fantasy leagues and there is nothing more dull and nauseating than people talk about their own fantasy team. So I figure, Hey, that's as good a segue as any to get into (laughs) as Kadarius Tony do. But uh, in all seriousness, he was very highly touted by, uh, you were a big fan. If I remember. Yeah, I, I, I do like him. There were, there were a lot of giants fans who were not happy with that, with that draft pick. But a lot of that was because they wanted there to be a quarterback. And the fact that they, they, they felt, oh, so we're getting Kadarius Tony rather than Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. And he's got to deal with Danny Dimes. I, mm. you know, I, I get it, 
but don't hate on Kadarius Tony. And he is in a difficult position right now because he doesn't have anywhere near an elite level quarterback. He doesn't have a Joe Ooh, Burrow. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. That's a bit of a knock on Danny Dimes. Okay. <laughs> a terrible team. I will give you. I will give you. I also, I don't, I like the idea of the don't hate on Kadarius Tony much, which I think we should probably add to <laughs> much bits, along with all the, all the uh, stuff we built out of edge rush. So yeah, difficult situation. We, you're right. Which we've got to obviously look at this with relativity and context. Yeah, I I think his pass catching hasn't been as good as it should be. I think there are times where he should have made a catch and hasn't made it. Something that I've been impressed by that I didn't expect to be as good is how he's moving with the ball in his hands. Right. And I'm, I don't want to make a Cordell Patterson um, comparison. You're going to do it. But I'm going to yeah. because Cordell Patterson, he's such a different player when the ball is in his hands and Kadarius Tony doesn't look as dangerous when he's running his routes but if you get him on a on a on a short or intermediate pass and get the ball in his hands he will make people miss and has mm. been making people miss he should be you know he should be Danny Dimes new best friend I don't know mm. how long um I don't know how long Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback there Ooh, but a lot of hate for Danny Dimes today there's a there's a lot of disrespect I'll like I'll admit that um but I'm not going to disrespect Kadarius Tony, although he's 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 not had the best rookie season. I think he's getting there right now. Going I C, would C, give him C plus C C plus. Yeah, he he's a C, C plus. plus. All right, if he's a C plus and Jamar's an A, what's Devonte Smith? So he had that extraordinary game against Kansas City, where he thought, "All right, he's arrived." Bingo. Mm, not a huge amount around that, right? I mean, he played from memory, he had a, a, quite a few catches against Carolina as well. Uh, I don't think, is he in any other breakout games? I don't think so. No, not really. And Devonta Smith is the guy, is the guy I wanted to, wanted to talk about in this slot because he has, he has disappointed me. Mm. Like there's a, it seems at times that there's good chemistry between him and Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. And then at other times it feels like they're on completely different pages. Now, I think most of this is on Jalen Hurts. You know, Jalen Hurts is a quarterback I think can be a good starter in the NFL, whereas Devonta Smith is someone I think can be an absolute star in the NFL. Can His I just ceiling... backtrack? I want to go back in for one more for, with Danny mm -hmm. Dimes. If you were starting a franchise tomorrow, are you saying you would take Jalen Hurts over Daniel Jones? Yeah. Oh, absolutely no question. No question. No question. No question. Wow. No question. I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be bullish about the prospects of that <laughs> franchise necessarily. Sure. But I would take Jalen Hurts wow. over Daniel Jones. Definitely. Well, I Definitely. know that longtime listeners to our show will know that I have jumped very heavily off the Jared Goff uh, apologist <laughs> <laughs> road trip. Uh, the tour bus has gone uh, this season. Marek Larwood and I, Marika, our special guest this week on our, on our week seven preview. Uh, massive Detroit Lions fan, of course, and not particularly thrilled with the Jared Goff mm. situation, which would be a good name for a band, actually, the Jared Goff. <laughs> um, they'd be a kind of hipster playing uh, very cool colleges, last a couple of albums, maybe have the soundtrack for a left field HBO sitcom. Uh, the, yeah, the, uh, the Jared Goff situation, I think now I've seen what's going on in Detroit and we're talking about context. I, and Marek makes the great point that it might be the worst collection of receivers in the history oh. of the NFL right now in Detroit. So I think we've got to, I'm always forgiving someone a bit of time and patience. And, and also I, understand Goff's limitations. I've never suggested, hey, he's going to be a top six quarterback in the NFL. With Daniel Jones, I feel he's a different kind of player altogether, but I feel the same principle applies. I don't think he's necessarily, well, maybe very clearly going to be in that group that Burrow certainly could be, that uh, it, it seems that Justin Herbert is going to get into the very, very best quarterbacks in, in the league. But I could see him being a, top 14 top 16 quarterback and thank you very much if there's enough around him do you know what right with the new york giants they won two super bowls in the 90s with quarterbacks who were maybe top 14 quarterbacks yeah phil sims was not an nfl star he what? won he right. won the mvp award in for super bowl 21 he was not a star he was just considered this injury prone guy yeah, he was yeah. just a guy and then jeff hostetler mm -hmm. stepped in 
when they went to Super Bowl 25, which they won. Mm-hmm. Like it's you, the the game has changed. But you know, I I don't want to I, I don't want to dredge up is Joe Flacco elite. Is is <laughs> yes, let's dredge that up. Is Daniel Jones good and is he elite? Yeah. Can to win to, to win, a, win Super a Super Bowl? Super Bowl? Yeah. Possibly, possibly. Because All right. Why not? I mean, he, why not? But I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick him over Jalen Hurts. Would you pick him over Zach, I, I, Zach Wilson? You start a franchise tomorrow. Um, I would pick. You know, I'm. I'm not a huge fan of Zach Wilson, as you know. But I would pick Zach Wilson over those two. But I mean, oh you God. say about being. A, you say about being an apologist. Zach Wilson over Danny Dives. I, I was. <laughs> I, I was. I was described in the Chicago Tribune as a Jay Cutler apologist. <laughs> <laughs> this is a major American newspaper. <laughs> they described me as a Jay Cutler apologist. Please. I know you've, you've obviously published a book and uh, you should give that a plug right now, Ben. Uh, if our listeners haven't read uh, it, where should they head? Um, go to nflhistorybook.com um, to find out more about that. But yeah, um, that, I hope I mean, that was on there as well. <laughs> was it on the notes? Uh, no. Jay Cutler apologist. I'd buy that book on that basis if I saw that on there. We Weirdly, me and Mark were talking about Jay Cutler on the show as well. And uh, I say weirdly because Ben and I haven't, uh, Ben hasn't heard that show yet and we haven't discussed it. The uh, And we remembered the brilliant smoking jay cutler website oh yes polluting <laughs> that we're going off on a mile uh, ridiculous <laughs> tangent i can't believe you would take zach wilson over daddy dimes i'm gonna put this out i'm gonna get, there's get more there's a higher upside to zach wilson i i'm not convinced yeah. that wilson's going to be a, going to you know live up to his potential but there's yeah. more upside yeah okay all right back to so Kadarius tony uh sorry devonta smith, devonta smith. To, yeah devonta smith he's got the tools i mm. think he is going to be good i think the eagles have a lot of problems Mm-hmm. And they are not getting things done offensively. Jalen Hurts is hit and miss. Yeah. More miss than hit. Yeah. Um, but Devonta Smith still hasn't, beyond that Chiefs game, hasn't really kind of shown us that he can be the guy who Jalen Hurts can go to on a regular basis and just make things happen, which is what I think Kadarius Tony is going to do. So as it stands, Devonta Smith is a C minus. Mm. And the only reason it's not tra- into the details is that game against the Chiefs was so good mm. and he has got so much natural ability that I think he will live up to. Uh, is it a C minus with in red pen C me? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a kind of, yeah, because must do better on wow. this because I know and I've I've just come out of a uh, teacher parent meeting as well. So yeah. I've you know I'm very much in, in the in the flow of this sense that bad because i don't want to put a foot wrong otherwise i'm going to get i'm going to get told off and be given extra prep yeah Uh, okay so let's get into thank you for that hashtag rookie watch at the nc show rookie you want us to get into you want to get ben's grade we'll start to keep someone out there i remember the the great professor from americanish days used to uh keep a record of all our three points on on americanish but those are uh, old school enough to remember the carnage days so if anyone out there maybe can uh, can keep track of rookie watch because it's far too complicated for us to do that and we can and the grades and then maybe we can put those out at the end of the season and see see how that played out that could be fun uh, professor if you're listening that is a call I'm shining the professor uh, <laughs> the professor light into the sky um, our legend our new section this week legends college football legends and we are going with Bear Bryant quite possibly I would say top ten maybe even top five all-time favorite sporting names for me. Bear Bryant. Oh, uh, I mean, it's just rolls. Um, and it, it, it's a name that having been in love with the game since I was a kid and been lucky enough to cover it professionally for all these years, I hear all the time and I kind of know who he is, but I don't really know much about him. And that's kind of what prompted me to think, well, there's quite a few, Figures like that in the college game, and I figure uh, more broadly, maybe in the in the history of the NFL as well, because we all have different eras that we know more about than not. And as we know from Edge Rush, Ollie's generation doesn't pay attention to anything before the year 2011. <laughs> so, with all that in mind, uh, we're going to roll these out and again, fire them in on our social channels. Get in touch with the show if you want us to deep dive a little bit into a, a name, a team, a game from the past that. Uh, uh, a, a player from the past that you want us to get into, then do it. So, Bear Bryant, Ben, take it away. Well, 
you're right. It is a great name and it feels like it should be a coach's name. His, his real name is Paul William Bryant. And if you want to know why he's called Bear, the le- legend has it, he got that nickname from wrestling a bear at a carnival when he was 13. Yes, he did. <laughs> so that's just perfect. That, I mean, if that doesn't set up the sort of person he was, then I don't know what, don't know what will. Larger than life character. And many say, you know, he's the greatest of all time. He was the, mm. he was the Lombardi or Hallis of his day back then. Um, maybe Nick Saban's eclipsed him. Um, you could argue that's the case, but did Nick bear- Saban wrestle a bear at the age of, Oh the- yeah. See, you'd never see Saban doing nah. that. He would pay someone to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bear Bryant ended with 323 wins as a coach. So Saban's behind, behind on that. Now, first off, you have to, you have to, you have to consider Bear Bryant the player because he was a pretty good player too. And um, although he's from Arkansas, he joined Alabama. He won a national championship with Alabama in 1934. And he played as an end, which is in the days before a true wide receiver. So, but he was going out and catching the ball. But he was just known as the other end because the star on that team was Don Hudson, the Green Bay Packers great and a pro football Hall of Famer. And then while in California for the Rose Bowl game, he did a screen test and was offered a contract at Paramount to be a Hollywood actor. Amazing. And he wanted to do it. But his wife didn't want to move. Mrs. So, Bryant, you didn't want to move to Hollywood. So they the stayed era of Hollywood. They stayed in Alabama, and um, he had to self being a college football legend. Um, so he finished at Alabama, was drafted by the Brooklyn Dodgers, but not those Brooklyn Dodgers, the mm. American football Brooklyn Dodgers. Got it. But he didn't play. He didn't have any interest. Instead, he turned to coaching immediately. Became an assistant coach, and then Pearl Harbor happened. He joined the Navy. He came back. And by 1945, he was already by this stage, what probably about 24. Well, exactly. Think of how much he's done. The dude has wrestled the bear. He's fought in the Second World War. He's had a Hollywood screen test and turned down Paramount contract. 1945, he becomes a head coach at Maryland, left a year later, took over at Kentucky. He won their first ever SEC championship, which is a big deal. And he felt that Kentucky's football ceiling was low because its focus was basketball, still is. So he moved on again. And this is where his legend started to take shape when he took over at Texas A&M. The team at Texas A&M was bad, but he could see there was potential. And in the first season, they just won, won just one game. But the year is most famous for its training camp. And it said it's the most grueling and cruel training camp that ever took place. He, he, in later years, he says he regretted it, how brutal it was. It took place in a town called Junction, And the players who didn't quit, there were a lot of them. Like most players quit because it was too hard. Mm. The ones who stayed were nicknamed the Junction Boys. And there's actually a film about this training camp starring Tom Berenger as Bear Bryant, which you should check out. Also, a lot of actors have played Bear Bryant. Gary Busey played him in a biopic, which is is perfect. (laughs) I know. I must see it. Two years later, after the Junction Boys, they were conference champions. And his goal there was to integrate the team, to racially integrate them, because um, the team was 100% white. And he was told by a university official, no, Texas A&M will be the last in the conference to integrate. Mm. And he told them, well, that's where you're going to finish in football. In 1958, he went to Alabama. That was the job that he wanted. And the, he was asked, why did, you, why did you leave Texas A&M to join Alabama? And he said, mama called. And when mama calls, you just have to come running, which well, is very Southern. I mean, it's something I might use to- <laughs> many different aspects of my life <laughs> that that sage sage advice yeah and when he got to alabama he, he loved these brutal training camps so he carried on with that and lots of players quit again the team was the team was already struggling which is why they'd fired the coach and he came in but he turned them around pretty quickly and they were national champions by 1961 and they became a juggernaut after that joe namath was one of their stars. He joined the team. I mean, that's they amazing. Weren't... Imagine what Namath was like in college. Oh, I know. And they... Sergeant Bear Bryant. And they loved each other. A bit like kind of... like I've, I think I've talked before about um, seeing... I was at uh, the Super Cup final when Real Madrid were playing Sevilla and I was sat near Alex Ferguson. Mm. And when Ronaldo was going up to collect the trophy, Fergie rushing to the stairs to try and... It was, it was like an autograph hunter, desperate. Like... <laughs> desperate to like lock eyes with Ronaldo and kind of give him a hug. Mm. And I've always found that relationship that they have kind of a bit strange that I wouldn't put the two personality types right, together. Right. And it's the same with Bear Bryant and Joe Namath that they 
they loved each other so much to the point where he got together with investors to try to buy the New York Jets in 1966. He wanted to buy the Jets and coach the Jets because Namath was at the Jets. Namath was there. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. But that didn't come off. So then in 1968, again, this is crazy. Some members of the Democratic Party wanted Bear Bryant as the presidential candidate and were voting for him as presidential candidate. Um, He did not get the nomination, but they felt like Bear Bryant will win the presidency. And it's joked that um, like there was a big campaign among Auburn fans that they really wanted Bear Bryant to become president because then they would actually start beating Alabama again. So that's Hollywood actor <laughs> and president as jobs he might have had. Might have landed. Yeah. Amazing. So things started to sour a bit at Alabama. They started to lose some games. It was kind of ebb and flow. The titles and bowl games dried up. So Bear Bryant accepted an offer in 1970 to become head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Yes, he we did. all remember that, right? When he took over in 1970 and won hundreds and hundreds. Oh, wait, no. Mm, because he he then backtracked, even though he agreed and he'd signed everything. He was like, I can't leave. I can't leave. And Don Shula took the job and he did OK from memory. He was all right, Don Shula. I mean, yeah. he was, I think I remember. He, <laughs> he won like, a couple of games. He could have been the head coach of the perfect Dolphins. That's, I never knew that. Yeah. So... You know, again, so that's another one. He could have been the first perfect season coach in NFL history. And then months later, one of the most important games in Alabama history took place, a 42-21 defeat to USC. And the reason it's so crucial is that it said that that was the game where Bear was able to point to star players at USC and convince the Alabama leadership to integrate the team or they'd fall behind the other big teams that were not limiting themselves to just white players. The result was an integrated Alabama won three more national titles in the 70s. Then there was another little bit of a decline. As you can hear, he's been around. He was around a long time, but there was another By decline. Stage, 87 years old. Well, he then decided to retire after the 1982 season. And he was asked what he was going to do next. And he said, probably croak in a week. And it was actually a month. Oh, no. He died a month later. He'd been a heavy smoker and drinker. And it all kind of taken its toll. And he'd been struggling with health issues over the over the final couple of years of his of his college career. And it just seemed like maybe he was just lost without without football. But we're talking about someone who won a national championship in 34, but was still coaching by the time Channel 4 started showing the NFL. And in fact, if you watch Super Bowl 17 between Miami and Washington, mm-hmm. then you will have witnessed a minute silence before kickoff held in honor of Bear Bryant. So you, wow. we talk about you were saying about different eras. Yeah. You and I both started watching in the 1980s. And if you were someone who was right on it on Channel 4 on, in that very first season, there's your connection to Bear Bryant, even someone who was winning a championship in 1934. And he's still a revered figure. Uh, his houndstooth clothing is yes. so iconic that Alabama uniforms have sometimes incorporated the pattern. And there were dozens of houndstooth items for sale on the team's online store. Just like, oh, yeah, you want a houndstooth hat? Like, he wore fine. You want a houndstooth thong? Like he probably didn't wear, then yeah, you can have that as well. Um, many of his former players and assistants have had amazing careers. We've mentioned Namath, but another star quarterback was Kenny Stabler, mm-hmm. another wild figure um, who generally got on very well with Bear Bryant. Ozzie Newsom, architect of the Ravens, two Super Bowl winning teams. Legendary GM, yeah. He played under Bryant. Bruce Arians was an assistant on Bryant's final two teams. Wow. So, you know, you kind of like, Bruce Arians isn't someone who's been a head coach in the NFL for decades and decades, but he's got that connection. And I want to end it with a, a quote that I love from Bear Bryant, because I'm not sure anything sums up Southern football and college football quite as much. He said, mama wanted me to be a preacher. I told her coaching and preaching were a lot alike. <laughs> Amen. Bear Bryant. <laughs> the brilliant Ben absolutely love that. And the only, the only thing I can think of to follow up on is all the names that you mentioned at the end there like Stabler that left the old crazy name it I would like Gary Bees to play all of them I think you oh. know, he's still got still got time to do that I'd like to get in touch with some of the people we know in Hollywood and make that happen I just want Beasley to buy a series of biopics of all the craziest figures in football he's got the range you know he could he <laughs> yes, could he do does. it 
I mean, yeah. it's also worth putting together like a list of everyone who's played Bear Bryant in in films because there are mm-hmm. there are others. Of course, I can't remember who plays. I mean, he's not in it much, but in Forrest Gump, of course, the character of Forrest Gump. <laughs> plays for the university of alabama while bear bryant is there um there's also i was reading about some kind of some christian biopic of a player who um who bear bryant coached i can't remember who played bear bryant in that but yeah there are are quite a few people who have played bear bryant on screen but surely gary i mean i think of tom berringer because i've seen junction boys but now i know that gary Busey played him i feel like i need to see this film uh, the guy who played him in Forrest Gump was Sonny Schroyer, who okay. was a regular in the Dukes of Dukes Hazzard. Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, boy. Perfect. Uh, yeah, we're talking about the original Dukes of Hazard TV show from the 70s and early 80s, uh, not the remake with uh, Jessica Simpson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which again, there you, the go. You, got NFL, you got your NFL connection there. So <laughs> yeah, yeah right. you're, never, you're never too far away. Brilliant stuff. I love it. Uh, I want to work out who's going to play Ben Isaacs in his biopic. Get those in as well at the NC show. Um, Denzel Washington. I'm going with... No, actually, I'm not going to... I'm, I'm going to put it out. To, <laughs> I'm going to put it out to our listeners and see what they say at the NC show. Who should play Ben? Oh. College Days, the movie. Be kind. Uh, oh, they will be. They love you. Is um, this, this, this... Oh, when we appear... Um, well, I mean, I guess we'd appear as ourselves oh, doing yes. cameos for the... Um, for the Rodney Dangerfield reanimated hologram. Yes, um, college day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, school day. What was it called? Back to school. Yeah, Back to school. I, definitely we're appearing as ourselves Yeah, and, with some crazy, crazy booth banter. <laughs> but, but, but new era star, virtual Zoom podcast star. I love it. Um, really stilted, uh, stilted back and forth, like we're giving an award at a middle of the road award ceremony, oh. heavily scripted, falling flat, dying on its ass. That's, that that's bit, how I want my cameo to be. And the bit where it says, uh, like, paused for laughter. Yeah. You just hear like, <laughs> just absolutely nothing. Love it. I, well, let's wrap because we're running out of time. Uh, unfortunately, because we could go on for another hour at least, Ben, quite frankly. Just on Bear Bryant. Yeah, I like that. Well, that's our off-season sort of legends. The legends, College Days legends special. Uh, but very quickly, three games to watch this weekend and why? Um, first off, 5 p.m. on ESPN player, Kansas versus Oklahoma, because it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing how this Oklahoma team is going to is going to progress now. They have generally not been good, and yet they're unbeaten. Mm. And now Caleb Williams is the quarterback. He is a freshman. He is very young, but it turns out that he is ready. And he is already, put it this way, he's played a game and a half of football and people are saying, maybe he's a Heisman contender. Now, <laughs> I don't think, if you don't play until halfway through the season, you probably shouldn't win the Heisman. But it's, it's not a great year for the Heisman. There's no kind of obvious candidate. And um, Caleb Williams has oh, been fantastic. It. I know, oh, I know. I mean, he All wouldn't right. get my vote. But Caleb Williams is electric and it is worth watching Oklahoma in this game. I think they'll win comfortably. But take a look at Caleb Williams and let's see what Oklahoma can do to cement their place in the top four and then after you've watched that 8 30 mm-hmm. on espn player pitt versus clemson now pitt are actually ranked and clemson are not which is a surprise because obviously clemson have been one of the most reliable teams around but not this year their offense has not been good they are not the team they were i think they can come back i think this is a, a down year they'll come back but Pitts have sneakily become a pretty handy team and a, and a tough out. If they can beat Clemson, that will be a real signature win. And it'll be very good for Kenny Pickett, who is their star quarterback, who, again, is someone who is getting a bit of perhaps unfair Heisman buzz. Mm. Um, he will see where he gets picked in the 2022 draft. He's really doing a lot for his draft stock. But it depends how much you can trust the quarterback with the surname Pickett. Mm. Um, and my, my, final, my final game of these three is uh, 12.30 a.m. on Sky uh, Sports. The witching hour. Uh, and this is a good one. This is a good one. Notre Dame versus USC. And mm. neither of these teams are going to make the playoff, I don't think. Notre Dame had that loss to Cincinnati, which is, a, which is a big blow for them. They can't seem to figure out who their quarterback should be. USC have got problems. But there's just something special 
about Notre Dame versus USC. It is one of the classic rivalries in college football. They play against each other every season. And because Notre Dame were an independent, they set their own schedule. And in the days before you could just stream any game that you wanted, Notre Dame were one of the few teams that you would get to see all around the country. And this was part of their brand. It was part of their recruiting. And it would be that they could get players from the West Coast because every year they would play USC. They would always play Stanford. They would play teams in the South. They play teams on the East Coast. That's how they became the only national brand in college football and became the most famous team. So those days are gone because you can be national and you can recruit nationally much easier than you used to. But a game like this is just a, a classic to know that this is something that has been happening for generations. And, and all the things that have changed in college football, you won't change the fact that Notre Dame hate USC and USC hate Notre Dame. And that is a beautiful thing. Embrace the hate when it comes to college football. Love it. Brilliant work as ever, Mr. Isaacs. You can follow Ben on Twitter at tweets from Ben and uh, you can guarantee he will be back in the saddle next week. College days running all the way through the season. Plus bonus Ben uh, on air with me on talk sport to Sunday from five o'clock. Ben, we are, are rolling back to the red zone format. I am going to be hot footing it in from Manchester because I'm recording a question of sport with Osi on uh, before the show. So there's a very realistic chance that the train's delayed and you might be doing the show on your own. That's fine. Um, I think I can hold it down with Propo and we'll, yeah, it'll be fine. There's only like loads of really good games on. I don't think you'll miss anything. Yeah, I'll be fine. I'll just be cheering the cup of those on the way back to London. Uh, no, hopefully I'll be there <laughs> on time. So I look forward to that each and every Sunday. It's lovely on TalkSport 2. We'll have the playoffs and the Super Bowl as well across the TalkSport network. So make sure you get involved with that. Uh, ben, look after yourself, bud. Go and research who's going to play you in a biopic. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably not Tom Berringer, but yeah, I'll figure it out. I think maybe Busey for you as well. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why definitely, not? Definitely the Ben Vegas era. I think Busey could play oh. that. Just to oh. play you during that era because we have different <sighs> actors at different phases. Oh, yeah. One day there'll be an entire podcast on the Vegas era. Yep. <laughs> we, have, we have to do that. A late night. What do we used to call it in America? After dark. We'll do, yes. a, we'll do an NC show. After uh, dark. Uh, uh, good, uh, good, afternoon. good afternoon, Ben. Good <laughs> afternoon. Look after yourself, bud. See you soon. Bye. Podcast Network.